listen to your intuition and don't give a crap about what, it, what anyone else. That's probably my number one piece of advice for everyone because you need to listen to what sets your soul on fire and it's your life and you shouldn't really care about what other people think about what you're doing because it's not their life. It doesn't matter. So just do what makes you happy. Do what sets your soul on fire. Welcome to Let's Thrive, a lifestyle podcast where you can find the tools and inspiration necessary to thrive on life. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and tune in every Thursday to hear the candid conversations I have with guests who are just like you and me, trying to figure out this crazy world we live in. Enough said, it's time to thrive. Hello, and welcome back to episode, I don't know, of Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels. Highly dysfunctional, bad memory, but here I am. And thank you for tuning in week after week for this. And I just appreciate you very much. Speaking of appreciating you and thinking of myself just got me thinking about how we're all different, right? I think it's something we pick up on at a very young age that we all like our own things. And sure, we have friends similar to us, but we're all unique and we're all different. And I know you've heard this a million times and you're probably rolling your eyes at the moment, but hear me out. So when I was young, I definitely felt different, probably not in the best way. And, you know, it might've just been me, but I could just sense I was my own person that I maybe didn't fit in all the time. But regardless, I, I had the sense and the idea that I definitely wasn't like everyone else. And you know, I wasn't thinking that in a haughty, oh, look at me way, but in a genuine way, because remember, we're all special. And I mean, just think about it. That's why we all like different foods. It's why my best friend could run eight miles and I was huffing and puffing it too, maybe three. Or how my brother took like two months in the spring last year and turned into this like super buff, jacked, muscly dude. And here I am nine months later struggling, but making progress. And it's why I have the temper of a hothead and zero patience while my aunt and uncles are just like a warm hug personified. I mean, they're the personification of comfort and nurturing, even though we're all from the same family. And it's why some people eat whatever they want with no side effects. And then here I am getting stomach aches and bloating and nausea from just about half of my food group. And I'm sure many of you can relate to these things I just said. And what it all boils down to is that we're all different and we all have different bodies. And where this comes into play is with today's episode on Ayurveda. This is an ancient form of medicine that really takes an analysis of energy and categorizes it into different segments based off of like you personal you, the uniqueness of you. And I'm not really explaining this all that great because I'm not specialized in Ayurveda, which is why I have on today my amazing friend Tiff, who is on her way to be an Ayurvedic practitioner, meaning she knows her stuff. And maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't. It was a big Instagram craze not too long ago. But just as with last week's episode on Reiki, I really ask that you keep an open mind because this is different This is something that you probably aren't familiar with. You probably are going to think, what the heck? But I'm asking you, keep an open mind, think things through, 
personally, it was a big aha moment as soon as I learned all about this. I was like, oh, that's why he, my brother, has an easier time gaining muscle than me. Or that's why she, my friend, can run so much farther than I can, even though I train and whatnot just as hard. And that's why I have so many health problems with different foods when some people can eat whatever they want. And it's why my personality is more like this than my blood relatives. Like, sure, it's just different, but also it's our energies. It's it's how we come into this world and it's how our energies change from this world. And like I said, I'm sorry if I'm rambling and this doesn't make sense, but just know Ayurveda is an ancient practice that kind of differentiates humans' energy forces into about three different categories based off of elements. And it explains the why behind those previously mentioned scenarios of why me and why them, you know, that uniqueness I was talking about. So today's guest, Tiff, is just an absolute wealth of knowledge. She has helped me understand Ayurveda like none other. She shares her journey to discovering it, what it has, you know, changed in her life as far as overcoming even an eating disorder, exercise, addiction, orthorexia, things that many of you and I myself have gone through. Even if you haven't, I mean, still, you're involved in this. And she shares what Ayurveda is. So once more, if you have no freaking clue what I'm talking about, don't worry, you soon will. And she shares all the details about it. We go into every last nitty gritty question you might have. I really put on my investigative hat and just asked anything and everything that didn't make sense to me and probably would not make sense to you. And so problem solved. Um, We even go into scenarios for each category of energy or doshas, as you'll learn. And she breaks it down so that literally anyone can understand it. I'm tempted to have my dad actually listen to this one because I think it's easy enough he could understand it. I really hope you guys are ready for this one. I've been so excited to share it. And if you have any questions after the show, please reach out to me, reach out to Tiff. I'll link all things below. She's on Instagram at balance with Tiff. I'm on Instagram at my thrive underscore on life, which you probably should know. But let us know your questions. Let us know if you like this, didn't like it. We're open to any type of feedback, or I am at least. And without further ado, let's dive right in. Here is the amazing Tiff. So yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so excited too. I love speaking about anything Ayurveda, so I'm really honored to be speaking with you. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Okay, so we'll just jump right in. And the first thing I always ask my guests to start the show off is, what has been one thing that's made you smile today? Oh, good question. Um, I was walking down one of the busiest streets in San Francisco, and it's been raining today. And I saw two golden retrievers come up to me, and they're about puppy age, like six months. And they're just super excited, and that just made me smile because I love seeing golden retrievers, especially when they're puppies. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, Yeah, that's so sweet. Today, I was helping my friend. She has a bunch of dogs, and while she works, she has two new puppies, and she asked me to kind of like dog sit while she was at work today. And I don't know, puppies just bring such joy. <laughs> they're just so sweet. I know they do. Yeah, they are. They're the best. <laughs> okay. Well, to officially start out, would you mind just sharing a bit about yourself? Just give us an idea of who you are, um, maybe how you came into this lifestyle with Ayurveda and just 
kind of start from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Tiffany Pinson. I go by Tiff. Um, my really close friends call me Tiffy, but for most people, it's Tiff. And I am the creator of Balance with Tiff, which is my Instagram as well as my blog. And it'll be my soon-to-be business on Ayurveda Health Coaching. And I'll still have Balance with Tiff. Um, but I'm originally from California. I grew up on the Central Coast, so around Santa Barbara area. And then I now currently live in San Francisco. Um, before moving to San Francisco, I, I went to school at Cal Poly studying industrial technology. And then I started working for a company called Stryker, which does medical devices, um, and found myself in the Bay Area. And I still work for Stryker. I still work for um, Corporate America. But how I really got into Ayurveda and how it became such a big part of my lifestyle was really this self-love and I guess diet journey that I have been on for quite some time so um, I think it's really important to start my story really with when I started having a relationship to food and what I mean by that is when I stopped viewing food as just "ooh, this is yummy I'm going to eat it and more of like okay this is food that could potentially put weight on my body this food I need to start calculating and having more of a different mindset to food um, and I feel really fortunate that for most of my life I was very active. Um, I never really thought of food anything, thought of food any other than, okay, this is good, I'm gonna eat it. But then towards the end of my high school years, um, I was in a not very healthy relationship um, with a boyfriend, and he just started making comments about my body, and that's really when I started viewing my body in a different light. Um, and so that's really when my relationship with food started. So, um, since then, you know, I've been on so many different diets. I've tried paleo, I've tried keto, I've tried low carb, I've tried, you know, I've tried it all and um, had some major lows as well as some major highs. And nothing really ever seemed to work for me. I always felt like something was missing. Either I had really low energy, at one point I lost my period. Um, my hair was falling out. I had really bad digestion, really bad skin. Um, but, you know, when you're dieting really hard and working out a ton, you're pushing your body to its limits, and you're, of course, going to see changes. And when someone tells you, hey, your body looks great, you look really good, that starts to get addicting, and so you start pushing even harder. But then because of that, you're restricting so much that you bounce back and start binge eating almost because your body's like, I need calories, I need food. Um, so I've always gone through kind of that yo-yo dieting, and I also got into macro counting right after college, and that was just no fun because <laughs> food was no longer food. It was a calorie. It was a calculation. It was something I had to be super mindful of, and I had anxiety going out to eat with my friends, and my boyfriend can tell you I was no fun to be around. Um, and so after that, I decided I'm going to go completely vegan. And I did, and I started feeling so much better because, you know, I was afraid to eat a banana at that point because the banana was my whole day's worth of calories. And I had like three bananas just that day, and I was so happy. And to this day, I still need to eat three to four bananas a day because I love them. But I was eating a lot of raw food, and even though I felt better, I still felt, I felt cold a lot. My digestion wasn't amazing. And then my roommate, my best friend, she said, have you heard of this podcast from Nick Broad Broadhurst? He's talking about Ayurveda. And I was like, Ayur what? What are you talking about? But I listened to it. 
And it was like my soul knew it. It was like my body was waiting for me to hear this so that I could start following what Ayurveda had been, um, what I've been learning about Ayurveda because it just on a cellular level is just what my body was craving. And so I know we'll, we'll dive deep into Ayurveda, but that's really how I got into it maybe about two years ago. And since then, I've just started studying it a lot, tons of podcasts, lots of books. I'm actually in school right now to become an Ayurveda practitioner. That is just amazing. And I think your story is something that a lot of us can relate to because especially as you know, young women and even starting you know, as young girls in today's society, developing a bad relationship with ourselves and food and exercise. And it, it, it seems like it always comes to hitting kind of that brick wall or hitting that low time where we're just like, we need, I need to fix this, you know? And for you, you hit that wall with your health and not feeling, you know, a hundred percent. And that's when Ayurveda kind of came into your life. For anyone who hasn't heard of this, what is Ayurveda? You don't have to go into, you know, like intent anything, but um, if you just want to give kind of like an Ayurveda 101. Yeah, absolutely. So starting high level, what Ayurveda is, is it's the oldest healthcare system. It's over 5,000 years old and it stems back from India. And what the word Ayurveda means is it means knowledge or study of life. So Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge or study. And so what Ayurveda is, is it's really a lifestyle guide. It helps guide you to stay balanced and helps you to show up as your best self. And the reason that I think health is so important and self-care is so important is that the reason that we want to feel good and the way, reason that we take care of ourselves is that we can show up and be our best selves so we can make the world a better place. And what Ayurveda does is it allows you to do that and it shares practices for your whole life. So it gives you suggestions on how to eat, what different times of day you should be eating, different times of day you should be studying or sleeping or resting. It just really gives you guidelines for everything, even your workout routines or your relationships, all of it. And what's specific to Ayurveda is that it really relates to the five elements. So we have space, air, fire, water, and earth. And these elements help make up and make sense of the seasons, your body types, which are doshas, which we'll get into, um, and also the different times of day. Um, and doshas are really what a lot of people know about Ayurveda, um, and there's a lot to that, so we'll dive into that in a little bit. So that's essentially what Ayurveda is. Ayurveda is basically, because I, I, I've, you know, learned a little bit about it before, too. So it's, it's kind of providing a blueprint of how to kind of style your life so that you're at optimal health, right? Like depending on your dosha, which, you know, like your body type, which we'll go into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Now, I guess, should we go into explaining what the doshas are and just kind of give everyone an idea? I think that really helps cement this whole idea of Ayurveda. Yeah, sure. The one thing I would like to state before that is um, yeah, just the difference between Ayurveda and Western medicine. Oh, yes. Because um, I think please. that's also really important <laughs> to understand. Yeah, so Ayurveda is um, not meant to replace Western medicine. I've gotten that question a few times, but it's really meant to complement it because Ayurveda is really preventative. And what I've come to realize with Western medicine is it's more about treating the symptoms versus the root cause because I feel like there's a pill for everything now. Like you can go to the doctor and they will suggest you, you know, some type of prescription, whereas Ayurveda is how do we take care of yourself before you get to the point where you have all these symptoms. 
Um, and the other thing that I think is amazing with Ayurveda is that every part of your body, even your mind, is connected. So if you go to an Ayurveda practitioner with, let's say, um, heartburn, something like that, they'll ask you about your dreams, they'll ask to see your tongue, they'll ask about your digestion, they'll check your pulse, they'll just ask everything about what's going on in your life, because everything that is associated is going to be connected to what symptoms you're having. And then it can even break it down into what's going on on a cellular, cellular level or on a fat cell level of maybe disorders there. And so Ayurveda just gets so deep and it's so interconnected that I think that's so amazing because a lot of times if you go to heartburn or sorry, go to a doctor for heartburn, they're most likely just going to look at that symptom and say, okay, you can take this prescription to take care of it maybe change your diet. But they'll never ask you about your dreams, right? Like that's kind of unheard of in the Western medicine world. Um, so I, I think that's really a good thing for people to know about Ayurveda is it's so holistic with every part of your body. It's so much more of a healing modality then because like you said, there's almost, there's a pill or a medicine or a shot for everything nowadays. I mean, you know, I have family who have been on blood pressure medication for so long and then my dad was at risk for it. And then all we did was tweak, you know, how he ate his, you know, movement, exercise, stress levels, a little bit like more sleep, whatever. And he's never had to get, you know, his blood pressure is perfectly fine. He's amazingly healthy for his age. And it just goes to show like it, it helps your health in the moment, you know, if you find that root cause and treat it. And then it also helps down the road because now he has healthy base to go from. Whereas my other family members, they don't have that, you know, they're just going to depend on Western medicine for the rest of their lives. And, you know, Western medicine mm -hmm. has its place, you know, that's not to completely outrule it, but yeah, Ayurveda is, that's the beauty of it is that it is such a healing modality. It goes inward and outward. And like you said, it, it combines everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And so with doshas, do you want to just give us um, the breakdown on those then? Yeah, doshas. Doshas are one of my favorite things to talk about with an Ayurveda because so many people can relate to it. I think everyone can relate to the dosha because it's going to be speaking to exactly who and, and what you are. So what a dosha is, is also referred to as a body or a mind-body archetype, and they are related to the elements. So before I dive into what each of the three doshas are, everyone is a combination of all three doshas. So um, there's vata, pitta, and kapha, and you have a blend of all of them. However, you may have one that you may resonate with more as I go I'm going through them, or you could resonate with all three, and that's totally fine because you have a blend of all three of them within you. But most of the time, you'll have one predominant dosha. And then also, it can change throughout your life. So when you were born or when you were younger, you may have had a different dosha than what you are now because as you go through life, you have different experiences, different environment, you eat different foods, your dosha could change. And um, so just keep in mind of that because when I was younger, I was a vata, and now I'm a pitta, and you know, I'll probably change within the next few years depending on my lifestyle. I was just going to say, is there a name for um, like what we're born with or our predominant dosha and then followed by secondary and like the third? Is that, is there a name for that like time in our life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're born, it's your property. Okay. And then as you go through life, it becomes your vicarity. So you're okay. always wanting to come back to your property because that is you know, when you are most balanced. Um, and so it has a lot to do with your DNA as well. Um, 
but for most people, you want to be coming back to your property because you're most likely not that at this stage in your life. So, okay. So now just to help explain it. So we're born with, a, we have the property and then we move on and. Yeah. So then, um, then you have your vicarity, which is anything that happens throughout your life, whether that's any environmental change, different foods that you start ingesting, the way that you take care of yourself, that becomes your vicarity. You mentioned it before, but the doshas are connected to the elements, right? Yep, exactly. So um, I think that's like a good starting point to go into each of the doshas. So the first one is the vata, which is air and space. So it's the dosha of movement because air and space you're able to move through with those elements. Pitta is fire and water. So that's really the transformational dosha. Because fire is, you know, it's, it's hot, it transforms. Um, so that's the second. And then kapha is water and earth, and it's more grounding. It's a little bit slower. It's more, you know, nature. Um, but for simplicity, I like to have vata just being really related to air, pitta as fire, and kapha as earth. So those are those are the three doses that you have. Starting with vata. I like to go through the body, the mind, what it looks like when you're out of balance and how to bring you back into balance with each of the doshas to kind of get more of a holistic view for each one. So with vata, the air dosha, in the body, you'll typically someone ha see someone having a thin frame. So you'll see them with lean, long muscles. It's harder for them to put on weight. They have a narrow face. Their eyes are a little bit more set into their face. Um, they have smaller forehead, their lips will tend to be dry, um, they also have thin lips, their hair might be a little bit more wiry and dry. They also have cracking bones, so they, you know, when they move around, they you get that crack because they have a lot of air trapped within their joints. And then as far as digestion, they have the weakest digestion, or also known as Agni, so in Ayurveda, we refer to your digestion as Agni, or digestive fire. And for them, they have the weakest, so it's harder for them to digest food. And then in the mind, they are kind of more of, we all have these friends that are kind of like the space cadets. They're very spacey or airy or, or the term airhead. They are um, kind of all over the place, right? So they have tons of ideas. They're very creative. Um, they're very future-oriented. And you tend to have them as the friends that are artists or writers, the more of the creative type. And when you have a vata and they're out of balance, they tend to have a really, really hard time digesting food. So that's when you have someone with a lot of bloating or constipation or a dry colon. And their imbalances can also manifest as having even drier skin and even drier hair and their bones will be weak. And they have a feeling of being very ungrounded and they get very anxious. They can't sleep. A lot of times someone that has a vata imbalance will wake up at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m because they're extremely anxious and have a hard time falling asleep, um, probably won't fall asleep until 3 or 4 a.m. again. And then again, their heart, it's hard for them to keep on weight because they're not able to digest food very well or hold on to those nutrients. And also because they're all over the place and very ungrounded, they might forget to eat. Vatas are the only dosha that will ever forget to eat because they just, they're just busy thinking about something else. And to really bring a vata back into balance, they want to focus on grounding themselves. So one practice is earthing, literally taking your shoes off and walking on the earth barefoot, whether that's on the beach 
or on a hike or just sitting in the grass if you have availability to that. And that is a very grounding practice. And then as far as foods, um, you want to focus on warm cooked foods. So things that are lightly steamed or, you know, rice kind of stewy meals and stay away from things that are cold or raw because that will just send a vodka further out of bounds because they can't really digest that very well. Wow, this is, I'm like laughing silently because I have <laughs> one friend who literally like, it would be a check mark for every aspect of vata. <laughs> and it makes sense. Like this can be used to understand people. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I'll let you continue with the other, other ones. This is just mind blowing. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, and as you start to listen to them, like, I have the same thing, like, oh my gosh, this is totally, at one point, like, this is totally my dad, and then for Vata, it is completely my boyfriend, like, 100%, everything about that, like, him being in balance with my boyfriend, and, you know, it helps you, like you said, to understand someone and understand, like, why they're acting the way they are, or why they're really anxious, or, you know, you can start to understand how you can also help them, too, um, so it's, it's just super beneficial in relationships as well as understanding yourself. So then we have the pitta, which is the second dosha. And I currently, as my vikriti, I am a pitta. Um, and this is the fire element. So within the body, they are going to have more of a medium frame. They have really good muscle tone. They put on muscle quite easily. They have more of a heart-shaped face. They run pretty warm, whereas vatas, they're very cold. They always want a jacket. Pittas are the friends that always want a fan on. And they might be sweating a lot. They just run warmer than most people. And then their eyes are medium size. Their lips are more medium size. And then they have the strongest digestion out of all the doshas. So they can pretty much eat whatever and not have too many issues with it. They do the best with salads or cold smoothies, um, whereas the vata might have issues digesting that. For the mind, they are the more passionate people. They're very fiery. Like you think of like a Latina, right? They're very um, passionate about what they're talking about. They're very loving. Um, and then also they love structure and they're very focused. They are ones that crave routine. They're very organized and they always know what time of day it is. Like for me specifically, I always know what time of day it is. Whereas Avasa has no idea what time of day it is. They're always late. Whereas a pizza, they're like five minutes before or exactly on time. Um, as far as jobs or careers, they make good CEOs. They make great managers. Um, they like to be in control of whatever they're working on. And then they live in the present. So like I mentioned, just really understanding what time it is, understanding like what's going on. They're going to be more fixated in the present task and how they can be doing the best with what they have. And then a pitta, when they get out of balance, they have um, even extra heat in their body. So like I was saying, they run warmer, but they might have excess heat, and that needs to escape the body, so it starts to manifest in skin conditions. So anytime that you really start to see skin conditions, it's signifying some type of imbalance with the pitta. So you could see rashes or hives, acne, cold sores, excess sweating, Inflammation is another sign of a pitta. Um, and then the person may also become very angry or irritated or too intense or even hangry. Me, like I will raise my hand. I get hangry all the time. And so just like being aware of that 
and taking care of that is important. And to bring yourself back into balance, it's really focusing on, on cooling down and surrendering. Surrendering is such a big thing for a pizza. And then as far as food, eating cooling foods, not necessarily cold food, because within Ayurveda, you want to try to stay away from cold foods, um, like cold smoothies or cold juices, but more cooling foods. So that can be mint, zucchini, broccoli, but really staying away from spicy foods like ginger or onions, tomatoes, those will all increase heat within the body. And like I mentioned, really surrendering and going with the flow. So being okay with not having structure, being okay with not having your entire weekend planned to a T. Um, and then as far as workouts, being okay with just doing yin yoga rather than a very boot camp class. Like for me, that was something really hard when I was severely imbalanced as a pitta. You know, I was eating super spicy food. I was doing dairy four or five times a week. Um, I was so stressed out about time and I was just running myself into the ground and just my body was starting to fall apart. And then when I started doing these things, stopped eating all the spicy foods, started taking care of my body through yoga and being gentle and then allowing my boyfriend to plan the weekend or not get agitated that we were going to be five minutes late to dinner, like really letting go of those things. You start to feel a sense of calm and bring yourself back into alignment and start to show up for yourself and start to show up for people and, you know, just feel balanced overall. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you have any friends where you can be like, oh my gosh, that girl or that guy for sure is Hisha. It was funny because a lot of this is starting to make sense now. So when I was like a kid, I was one of those like super slim. I couldn't put on any weight. I was very facey. I think I was definitely more of Vata. And then similar to you, I kind of got, you know, like a bad relationship with food and exercise and everything. And it was like, I was trying to like, you know, being that like slimmer, more fit girl. And then this past year, the universe just like dropped an atomic bomb on me and my health went out the window. I had all these symptoms popping up, you know, just like sudden like weight gain, even though I changed nothing about like diet or exercise. And then I had had like, I'm not, this isn't coming from like a cocky place, but people had always complimented on my skin being like spotless. And I didn't see it at the time. I was like, oh, you're joking. And then all of a sudden in the past year, my skin cystic acne you know what I mean like it was like so inflamed that at the one point my cat's tail brushed across my forehead and tears sprung to my eyes because it was so painful just like inflamed acne and swelling and like red all the time then also just like a lot of digestive issues and so I started kind of researching and thinking that it was inflammation and um, I noticed that a lot of the foods I was eating the types of workouts I was doing. I've always been the person like, if someone's stressed about something, it's more than likely that I'm 10 times more stressed because that's just how I am. And so I was like, I'm probably so inflamed right now that my skin is just like erupting. My digestion is like out, out of control. So I've started to kind of try to like combat the inflammation, but I don't know. Is that like, would that be like a pitta imbalance? <laughs> Yeah, so like I was saying earlier before, like everything is interconnected. So even 
emotions or experiences that you don't digest can manifest in the body. And so that's something that I also dealt with too from the awakening standpoint of like, there is all of these emotions that I hadn't dealt with and these issues and they were being held on through my body and like through waking. And then I was confused because I was like, I haven't really changed anything. I'm pretty much eating the same. I'm doing, I'm working out maybe even more, but it's because of all the stress that I put my body under and not the stress of the environment as well as all these emotions and experiences that I didn't digest. My body was holding on to it. And then from your question about inflammation, yeah, that can absolutely be a pitch imbalance because you're going to have extra heat in the body. Even if you start to feel cold, your body is inflamed and it's going to need to escape somehow. So you may not feel like your body's hot. You may not be sweating, but there's something trapped within your body that is trying to escape. And so, you know, it could be what you're eating. It could just be the stress that you're under already. It could be something with your hormones, but yeah, having that cystic acne and having skin issues in general is definitely a sign of something within the body with a pitch imbalance. I, when I started realizing it was probably like inflammation, I definitely like changed up my foods and um, Mm -hmm. just trying to cut out any that might cause inflammation. And then also like with my exercise, yeah, I used to be like a cardio junkie hit. And I realized afterwards Mm -hmm. I would stay like red in the face for up to two hours after workout. And I realized it's like my body's just holding on to this heat. So I started doing yoga more. I actually did two weeks in a row where I didn't do any workout except for yoga. And it was some of the, Mm. like my skin started to clear up so well. And then also pairing that with testing different foods. And I started, so like right now I have a very good understanding of what sets my body into inflammation mode. But yeah, it's crazy to think also connected and same with stress you know like I've really learned to like you said surrender and let go because I'm such a perfectionist type a obsessive go all or go home type and that has done mm-hmm. nothing for my health well what you're saying about being a perfectionist or go hard or go home like that is a pizza to a t for sure so um just being aware of that though is so important that's really one of the first first steps is understanding some of these things that are going on in your mind or within your body and understanding that you need to balance that out a little bit. And the thing about the body is that it's so freaking smart. It's talking to us all day long and we just need to like take a step back, calm down, listen to those little signals because they're going to be very small. It's not going to be screaming at you unless something is really, really wrong. But it's, you know, listening and tuning in to those little conversations that your body's trying to have with you before things start to go haywire and out of control. So true. I guess if if you have anything else on pittas, otherwise we can move on to kapha too, because I think that's another one that can manifest in a lot of people's life and, you know, they might not even realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we can totally move on to kapha. So um, kapha is the earth element. Um, and a lot of people, they try to say, or not try to say, but they're hesitant to say that they're kapha because a lot of times people think that kapha means you're bigger or you're overweight, and that is not it at all. So for a kapha, they are bigger bones. They have bigger bones than vata or a pitta. And I think the good way, a good way for audience or listeners to do a quick little test for them is 
if you put your thumb and your middle finger around your wrist and see how um, your fingers touch, so if they're overlap, that means that you have rather smaller bone frame or bone structure, so you're most likely vata. If they touched, but like still a little bit of overlap, but, but they're still touching, that's a pitta. And if they don't really touch very well and you have to kind of stretch or squeeze your fingers together, that's more of a kapha. So maybe just something that you can do if someone might be confused of, you know, what dosha that they're relating to. And that's kind of a good test to start out with. So with a kapha, you're going to be a little bit bigger boned. You're going to be curvier. You're going to have this beautiful, luxurious thick hair. You're going to have larger eyes, fuller lips, and your skin is going to be more dewy. Um, and I like to think of like Kim Kardashian, beautiful, right? But she's got these beautiful curves. Or Oprah, she's beautiful as well, and she's just a little bit bigger bones. And then as far as the mind, they love to hold space for people. So they're very nurturing. They're like Mother Earth. They're calm. They're soothing. They're very loving. You can think of, you know, a therapist or we all have that friend that just drops everything and just will hold space for you and want to help you. So those are more of the kapha nature people. And then with the vatas, they were very future oriented. Pitta is very present and kaphas will tend to reside in the past. So they like to think of things that happened in the past, which can then lead to some of the imbalances that I will talk about in a little bit. Like I was saying, they're a little bit bigger. So for a kapha, they tend to get overweight a little bit easier because they have slower metabolism and then they have a slow and heavy digestion. And so they can tend to get fatigued, depressed, lazy. Their skin can get really clammy and they can feel cold a lot. And then they tend to be, be giving so much of themselves to other people. They tend to send so much love to others and hold so much space for other people that they don't take care of themselves. And then they're depleted, which then can lead to that depression I was referring to or getting really tired. And then... Um, something else that might happen as far as manifesting an imbalance is mucus or swelling. So not necessarily the inflammation that you're seeing, but more of like that thick, slimy mucus in the body um, or also a sluggish metabolism. So those are all ways that you can start to understand if you have a cost imbalance. And then to bring yourself back into balance, movement is key. That is the number one thing that I tell people that are struggling with a cost imbalance because one is going to help to keep your weight healthy and it's going to start to move the lymphatic system and then also increases endorphins. So two of the things that I was saying with a cough added balance is that weight gain and then also feeling sad or sluggish or kind of depressed. But when you work out, we all know that you feel so much better after a workout. So that's why movement is so key for a cough. And then they also want to eat foods that are light or dry, bitter, astringent foods. They want to stay away from things that are really sweet or really oily, heavy foods. Anything fried, you definitely don't want um, because that's just going to slow down your metabolism even more. Um, and then, you know, they're going to be craving the sweet foods. They're going to be craving those, those comforting foods. So that's just going to continue to put them out of balance. So it's more of the lighter side, um, but still maintaining, you know, healthy fats, healthy carbs. Um, but just being mindful of sugar content as well as processed foods for sure. Wow. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And Ayurveda really gets you thinking. <laughs> it, it does. It does. And like I was saying in the beginning, like I think people can pick a part of 
each dosha that resonates with them because like I was saying, you're a mixture of all three. Um, and so same with you, like when I was eating a lot of processed sugar, a lot of processed food, because when I was macro counting, I was so fixated on a protein quantity or number of grams I had every day. I was eating just a lot of processed sugar. Mm -hmm. and my skin was so bad. And then as soon as I stopped doing that, and just like you said, I'd eat something more natural, like I'd put a banana as my sweetener or use organic maple syrup, my skin started clearing up because your body knows how to process that. It doesn't really know how to process anything manufactured in, in a lab, you know? Yeah. So is there a way, there are like tests online, right, that people can take, and that kind of determines our current dosha, right? Yep. Yeah, so um, there are a few resources that I love. So one is Banyan, B-A-N-Y-A-N. They are a great resource for Ayurveda. They have um, quizzes that you can take online as well as just really good articles. And then my second favorite resource is Sahara Rose. She's like my number one girl crush. She's one of the first people that I really started researching when it came to Ayurveda, but she has a great quiz online as well. And it helps break down um, the difference between your mind and your body because sometimes you might be feeling very vata, very airy in the mind, but might have more of like say a kapha imbalance in the body. So she helps break that down for you. So those are the two resources that I would say if you're curious on knowing what your vikriti is, your current dosha, you can use those. Was there anything else about the doshas that you think we should know or be aware of? No, I think I covered them. Um, yeah, I would I would say just like don't get so fixated on um, understanding like what one dosha you are or like taking a bunch of quizzes because you can get really like into a, a cycle of taking different quizzes and it may not match up exactly. Just tune in to your body, start to make little notes of things that are going wrong, and your body knows what's up. So just listen to that about it. You know? With everything, you should always take it all with a grain of salt and always resort back to listening to your intuition <laughs> you know what I mean and following mm -hmm. your body will guide you where it needs to go you just have to listen the typical original Ayurveda doesn't call for raw foods or like even meat right I, I don't know is this like is there like a modernized way to it now yeah so way back five thousand years ago there were some specific guidelines around Ayurveda based on health reasons so for the raw foods one, it's also harder for your body to digest, but two, it, there wasn't really a good way to keep raw foods fresh, so those could go bad and um, go bad quicker because they didn't have refrigeration. Um, they also recommended to make your food fresh every day and not to eat leftovers because that can lead to ama or toxins in the body, um, and that's also because they didn't have refrigeration. There, they were um, allowing meat. So meat wasn't completely out of the recommendation with Ayurveda, but for each different dosha, I think there's a recommendation for um, what meats you should be eating. I'm plant-based, so I'm not quite sure on which meats can go with each dosha, but they were also big on ghee. Ghee is really, really big within Ayurveda. Um, if you're plant-based, coconut oil is a great alternative. Um, and then for some, oh, mushrooms. Mushrooms they weren't big on either, but um, they were very big on dairy. So the way that they took care of their cows way back in the day, um, dairy was cleaner than it can be now. And so they had a lot of heavy creams within Ayurveda. 
I don't know if, if you can do this. I thought maybe it'd be cool to take each dosha and run through like, what would an ideal breakfast be for vata, pitta, kapha? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for a vata, you're going to want to be having something grounding. So I would say a bowl of oats with um, blueberries, maybe, and also, um, let's say almond butter. Almond butter, because it's oily, it's good for a vata, whereas for a kitchen coffee, you don't necessarily want nut butters, you want more of seed butters. Um, and so for a vata, you know, a warm, grounding meal is a good way to start your day. For pitta, um, I would say pittas and kaffas, they can probably have maybe about the same type of breakfast. You're going to want something a little bit lighter. So I really like stewed vegetables. Uh, sorry, stewed fruits. Stewed vegetables for breakfast might be a little strange. Um, <laughs> but stewed fruits. So I am a big fan of doing warmed up bananas with sunflower seed butter um, and a little bit of granola. So that's what I really love. Um, for a kaffa, you could do stewed apples. So you could chop up an apple or two and then put cinnamon on it, maybe a little bit of um, coconut oil and warming that up and having that as a breakfast. It's really important with an Ayurveda that you start your day with something lighter and warm because if there's one thing for listeners to take away with an Ayurveda, it's not you are what you eat, but with an Ayurveda, it's you are what you digest. So digestion is such a big part of Ayurveda that in the morning, you want to start your day where you're kind of rekindling your digestion. Because if you think of your digestion as, let's say, a fire, right? So a bonfire. You wake up in the morning and it's going to be kind of smoldering. It's not fully aflame yet. If you drink a bunch of cold water and then put really heavy, um, like pancakes and sausages, it, like think of like heavy logs on that fire as well as cold water you're going to put it out and you're going to have a really hard time the rest of the day rekindling that. So with an Ayurveda, you should be drinking a warm glass of water when you wake up and then a warm kind of lighter meal for, for your digestion. We live in like such a culture where wake up, grab an iced coffee, you know, and go out the door and that's going to douse that fire. Or some people, mm-hmm. like my dad, he wakes up and eats breakfast 10 minutes after he wakes up. And I've always been the type, like I wake up and I, I, I drink something warm or, you know, like room temperature. And then I always do some sort of movement. Like even if it's 10 minutes of stretching or, you know, like walking around the house to get some chores done or a quick workout or like yoga or something case where you said with the bonfire, it's kind of like taking a break to let the fire build up. Right. And then you eat breakfast and it's ready to be digested by the body. Exactly. Yeah, you're completely right with how society is today. It's, you know, wake up, have a really big, heavy meal. And then typically when you do that, you feel tired after, like you need a nap after breakfast, which isn't really how you should be feeling for the rest of the day. And then also in Ayurveda, the lifestyle, it kind of includes a lot with like spices, herbs, and adaptogens, right? Could you, could you like give us a lowdown on I guess more so adaptogens because I, I know they can play such a strong role in you know, like helping certain health ailments or just improving overall body function and health. Could you, could you give us a breakdown on those? Yeah, so I love adaptogens. Um, I have them every day with my morning matcha. And for the listeners that don't know what an adaptogen is, it's really a specific group of healing plants. They help your body adapt or adjust to stressors that are going on in your life. So 
when I have adaptogens, I feel like my body has kind of this shield around it that's protecting me from all the stressors that go on throughout the day. I can have something thrown at me and feel a little bit more calm within my nervous system and kind of within my body. So there's technically nine adaptogens that have been scientifically proven. There's a lot of testing and research that goes into saying that a adaptogen is an adaptogen, but then there are 30 probable adaptogens, which I think most people are familiar with. Um, but I will go through my top four favorite adaptogens, and it's going to be maybe a mix of the scientifically proven adaptogen with the probable adaptogen. So my first one, I think it's the king of adaptogens, is ashwagandha. This is a for sure adaptogen. It's amazing for stress. It's great for anxiety. It's really good for adrenal fatigue. And I take this one every single day. Um, depending on kind of what's going on in my life for that week, I might have a little bit more, but I normally have maybe about half a teaspoon in my matcha. It's a very strong bitter flavor. So if you're going to try out um, ashwagandha, start small. And it's important to know that it's not going to be within that day that you're going to feel a noticeable effect. You have to start taking it over time. So maybe over two or three weeks, you'll start to feel a little bit more of that calming, grounding presence that ashwagandha gives you. Um, my second one is maca. So this is a probable adaptogen. Um, and this one I think has become really popular as well, which is amazing because it's really great for your body. It increases sex drive, it balances your hormones, and it's a really great mood booster as well as providing energy. So I also have this one in my morning matcha as well. Um, lacuma, it's a probable adaptogen. It's a great antioxidant and it's really good for inflammation. So for us kiddos that have a lot of inflammation in the body, um, you hear of tumor feeling being really great, but lacuma is also a really good option. Um, it's a little bit sweeter, so it's it's good within um, a matcha. I, I literally just put everything in matcha, so uh, lacuma is great for that as well. And then my last favorite one is reishi, and I think a lot of people are familiar with the reishi adaptogen. Um, it's a mushroom. And it's the ultimate balancing adaptogen. It really helps support the immune system and it helps soothe your nervous system. So great for stress and adrenal fatigue as well. So I, I've been taking maca for a while and I just got ashwagandha. But I think I've been making a big mistake <laughs> because <laughs> I'm a big smoothie bowl fan. I just, I adore them. And I know, I know they're probably not the best, but... I, I always like make sure I sip on warm water while I eat it. And I add like, I add um, like warming oats or like chia seed pudding on top and that kind of like melts into it. So I, I try to balance out the coldness, but usually I have it, you know, like after being awake for a while, after I've drunk warm liquids. So it's usually after I've built my fire, my digestive fire up some, but what I've been mm -hmm. doing is adding the maca and ashwagandha to my smoothies and I recently heard that that kind of offsets their benefits and that I should be having them in like a warming sense. Is that true? I haven't heard that before, but I think what could be aiding to that is maybe just because your body is going to absorb things better when it's warm. It's easier to break down the nutrients. So maybe what they're thinking is that because it's cold and you're eating it, it's harder for your body to digest it and really to absorb all the benefits that those adaptogens have. That's my guess, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But okay. to your point about, you know, smoothie bowls, I love smoothie bowls too. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know who doesn't love a good smoothie bowl. And 
it's about like finding what your body likes. So um, if you are digesting smoothie bowls just fine and you aren't starting your days first thing in the morning with a smoothie bowl, keep at it. Like that, that's totally fine because I have a smoothie bowl every now and then too, especially when you start getting into the warmer summer months. Like cooling down your body, especially if you're a pizza, is totally fine. You know, I love, I've always loved smoothie bowls and I, I do smoothie bowls because I know when you chew, it creates, you know, saliva and then that helps the digestive enzymes and helps break down the food. But then also, when my digestion was so bad, when I, whenever I had smoothie bowls, it, it was as though my body, you know, sometimes I'd get a little bit bloated because I am having like this cold, you know, meal. But besides that, I always felt fine. My energy was sustained because I was able to pack fats on top with the nuts and seeds and then get some carbohydrates from oats or fruit. It was a very like well-balanced bowl for me. And then also, since it's already blended up, like my body was able to easily digest it. But then, <laughs> then I was mm-hmm. trying to kind of look more into Ayurveda and a couple other health tips. And it was looking like I was going to have to cut out smoothie bowls. And I was just like <laughs> dreading that day. <laughs> so I, I'd tried to have like a couple days where I'd eat something else, but it just wouldn't like satiate me. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't sustain my energy or I would just feel sluggish afterwards. I don't know. And I think it was, mm-hmm. it was probably that like my body's okay with smoothie bowls and that might not be the case for everyone. <laughs> so if you're listening, exactly. take it, take it with yeah, a control, and but and that's the beauty about Ayurveda, and that's why I love it so much, is that everybody's different. What's going to work for you probably won't work for me. What's going to work for me probably won't work for someone else. And it's using the guidelines and the suggestions that Ayurveda has, and then trying it, and then adjusting if you need. And like we were saying earlier, your body's so smart, it's going to tell you what it likes and what it doesn't like. You just have to listen to it. But um, And that's just what I love about Ayurveda so much, is that it helps you understand and give you suggestions of what is going to work for your body and like I said it's not going to work for everybody besides like food and Ayurveda there's also like lifestyle practices so I've heard I do tongue mm-hmm. I do tongue scraping and we can go into that yes, because that, love- that has been a game changer so I guess let's start with that do you want to give your two cents on it and then I can share my experience too totally so I love tongue scraping I um <laughs> I gave my parents tongue scrapers for Christmas, actually, because I thought it's it's kind of like a little bit of a gag gift, but kind of serious at the same time. But I love it, and um, honestly, my boyfriend probably won't kiss me unless I do tongue scraping. But tongue scraping is so important because what it's doing is and it's removing the ama or the toxins that build up on your tongue. And so, if you wake up in the morning. Check out your tongue if you haven't done that before. If you have a lot of coating on your tongue, so a lot of like white, sticky substance on your tongue, that is toxin buildup. And it's showing that you have toxins in your body and overnight they're going to start to accumulate on your tongue. And so as you wake up in the morning, the less of that white stuff, that less, less of that plaque, the better health you're in from a toxin standpoint. So when you're scraping it, it's removing the toxins from your tongue. It's also going to help with better breath. It will help you taste food better because you're removing all of that gunk away from your taste buds. Um, so if you don't have a tongue scraper, they're very inexpensive. You can get them online or even from a whole food store. But what you can do, even if you're traveling, is take a spoon, like a side of a spoon, and just scrape your tongue. Be gentle, but like you can 
shape your tongue that way to get started. Like when I was first looking into it, I was reading about how a lot of times also, if you have a sluggish digestion, metabolism, anything, and say like your body doesn't completely digest something and then it's quite literally like sitting in you and it starts to ferment and mm-hmm. leave, release those toxins into the body. And then, yeah, they appear in your tongue. And so I knew my digestion was bad and I started reading into like the tongue scraping. During this time, it felt like my taste buds were, it was so funny because my taste buds were like so insufficient. I was like, why do I need to add, you know, so much salt? Why do I need things to be so much sweeter? I didn't understand. And then um, I was also waking up with this really bitter taste in my mouth and it wouldn't, it wouldn't go away. You know what I mean? Like it take an hour into the day mm-hmm. before that taste went away, even if I was drinking, you know, water, whatever. And then I got a tongue scraper and not to gross anyone out, but I am telling you what, I didn't even realize that much crap could be on my tongue. Like, and it just went to show like that I have, you know, like, and now I'm seeing a functional medicine doctor for whatever's going on. But like, when I first started tongue scraping, it was so necessary. Like I, I was doing it for probably three weeks until I started to notice I must be doing something better health-wise because the white was started, the toxins were starting to decrease. They're so inexpensive too. They're just a couple bucks and you can just keep using them over and over again. And it yeah, takes, I'm great. I'm glad that you love it too. It, it takes like 30 seconds in the morning. Like literally it's just built into my routine when I go up, you know, and I, I wash my face and then immediately afterwards I just tongue scrape. It takes however long you want to do it. For me, it's like 30 seconds. Yeah. And once you start, you can't really stop. Like you're just so aware of if you don't tongue scrape, you're just like, Ooh, this is kind of gross. You know what I mean? Like you're just so aware of like the gunk that can build up on your tongue and it just, it just feels off. My day feels off if I don't tongue scrape in the morning. Yeah. I didn't take mine on vacation with me um, a while ago. And I, I'm not even joking. Like I, one of the mo- things I was looking forward to most when getting home was tongue scraping again. And it felt so good. And so then the next time I traveled, I packed it in my little backpack and took it on the plane and took it to all my different hotels and places. And yeah, it just, it's so funny. I highly recommend it to anyone. <laughs> so main takeaway for the listeners, get a tongue scraper. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll, I'll link my favorite one below actually in the show notes too. Um, Perfect. And also oil pulling is something I've heard of, but I've yet to jump on that train. Can you explain that some more for us? Yep. So oil pulling is pretty much like old school mouthwash. So it's Ayurveda's type of mouthwash. Um, you can use a few different types of oil. So coconut oil or sesame oil. I use coconut oil one because it's, I like the taste of that a little bit better than sesame oil. But also for a pitta, you want something a little bit more cooling. So coconut oil is great for that. Um, but sesame oil is also very nourishing. So if you have that around, it's organic, uh, not toasted, but just pure sesame oil, you can use that. But what it does is it will help pull out toxins from your gums. And so you put maybe about a spoonful of the oil in your mouth and you swish it around for as long as you have time for. It can be a minute, it can be five. Typically, I hear recommendations of doing around 10 minutes. So if you have time to do that in the morning, go ahead and do that. But just as long as, as you can. And just push it around. 
and like I said, it's going to be pulling out the toxins from your body. It really helps with healing your gums as well. So sometimes, um, you know, if you have like a little cut on your, on your gums or something's going on, like gums are very, a telling sale, a telling, um, signal of if something's going wrong within your body. And so if you're using coconut oil, it helps to heal that a little bit. Um, and then what people tend to do with mouthwash is they'll use mouthwash to help with bad breath, right? But what our mouthwash today does is it kills all the good and the bad bacteria within your mouth. And then what that does is it almost leads to addiction for mouthwash because you're going to be killing the good bacteria, which then you're going to start getting bad breath even worse than you did before because everything has been exterminated from your mouth. And so people just kind of get addicted to that mouthwash because they're like, oh, my breath really smells, so I'm going to use mouthwash. But then it's just in this vicious cycle because it might smell okay for a little bit, but then you don't have that good bacteria to help with a good breath that it's just, you know, going to start being this vicious cycle. Whereas with oil, it's only really getting rid of some of the bad bacteria that's in your mouth and keeps all that good. Um, so if you can make the switch to more natural oils, definitely recommend that because it's a lot more gentle on your skin and it's doing good for you too. And so um, you don't swallow the oil. If anyone's ever tried um, oil pulling, and if you haven't tried it, don't swallow the oil. Spit it into a trash can. Don't put it into your sink because oil can solidify and kind of start to ruin your sink. So just a little tip there. Um, and so you just you spit it out, and then as they rinse your mouth out or brush your teeth. I definitely agree with the yeah the mouthwash. I was just I was looking into oil pulling more the other day and saw how it can affect digestion too. And so you want to promote good bacteria, and oil pulling is definitely a good alternative to that. So it's something I I just decided this morning that I'm going to try because I've also had like gum issues, just hereditary. But um, I figured it wouldn't hurt to try. So I will I'll be trying that out pretty soon. <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing your experience. So what are your like Ayurvedic lifestyle practices that you do on an everyday basis? And for anyone listening, like this is just what she does. I'm just curious to hear like what you do for your specific, you know, dosha and your lifestyle. Yeah, so where I am right now, it's with my Vikriti, it's it's still pitta, it's still something that I'm constantly trying to work on and, and bring myself back into balance but for me the Ayurvedic practices start really in the morning so for me having a morning routine and waking up and giving myself time to meditate and breathe because that really helps set myself up for the rest of the day and helps clear my mind and I think everyone should really have a morning routine but for me specifically that's a really big thing with an Ayurveda is having structure to your day and getting up with the sun so for me, I start to get up around 5.36. I can't sleep in any longer. <laughs> Sleeping in to 7 is, like, crazy for me. But if you can get yourself up earlier, um, that's pretty recommended. But so for me, you know, starting with a meditation practice, and then it is oil pulling and tongue scraping. Um, and then be mindful of what I'm starting my day with. So it's a warm glass of water. And then I'll wait maybe an hour or two after doing some yoga and maybe doing some work and starting with the matcha and I, I cut out coffee completely because having coffee made me extremely anxious um it wasn't great for my digestion either but mainly it was just making me very 
agitated and worked up and fearful almost where I felt anything would set me off. So for me, coffee didn't work. For other people, I think they've gotten very used to coffee and they're accustomed to how it's making them feel. And for some people, like a coffee, coffee works great for them. Pisses when you're normally high strung already, it may not be the best thing. So for me, having my adaptogens with my matcha is really important. Um, and then as the rest of my day goes on, um, for for lunch, it's more of um, a balanced meal of healthy fats. Typically, I'll have a salad because my body can handle that. Um, and then something else with an Ayurveda is not having distracted eating because your body needs to know that it's time to eat. It needs to send cues to your stomach, to your digestive system that, hey, it's, it's time to digest some food. And um, so practice not being in front of a computer screen or watching a YouTube video or checking Instagram messages. I am like notorious for that, like either Netflix and eating or scrolling through Instagram. So just sit with your food, be present with it. It's gonna help with digestion. So that's something I'm definitely working on. Um, and then also, like I was saying before, having a balance in my workout. So not doing high interval intense training every single day, but adding in more hikes or walks or being something that's going to cool me down and not make me super competitive um, because that's really important for a pitch as well. And then for, for nighttime, I like to finish up any meal that I'm having, maybe about three hours before I go to bed. Um, since I wake up so early, I'm typically in bed by nine. I'm such a grandma, but I like to finish eating around um, six or so. And again, that's going to be a warming, easy to digest meal because your body is kind of slowing down for the night. And so you don't want to have a lot of energy exerted while you're sleeping or while you're getting ready for sleep to be digesting. Uh, so those are just some key things that have worked for me and, and really just focusing on my diet. That's a really big thing of um, cutting out foods that don't make me feel that well. So I'm really sensitive to salt, making sure that I'm not eating a lot of processed foods or things that are salted, cutting out alcohol, because that gave me a lot of anxiety and just made me feel like crap all the time. Um, coffee, spicy foods. Um, yeah, that's kind of my yeah. Ayurvedic tips that work really for me. <laughs> no, I love them. Yeah. And I think, I think it can all, you know, play into someone's life at one point or another. And I forgot to ask you this before, but do you have any recommendations on where to source good quality adaptogens? Just because I'm always wary of sourcing, you know, and quality. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, where do you get yours from? Or do you have a suggestion really for where to shop from? Yeah, Emily, Emily, that's a great, great question. I think anytime that you're purchasing anything, you want to be careful with the sourcing. So specifically for adaptogens, because there's such a buzzword right now, you're seeing them pop up all over the place. So for me, I really love Sun Potion. They have great quality adaptogens. Moon Juice is also another good um, company. And then Banyan, so one of the companies I mentioned earlier that has great resources for Ayurveda is another really good quality. So those three are, are pretty much my favorite when it comes to adaptogens. Okay, perfect, thank you just like I guess last part <laughs> so you said you're going to be an Ayurvedic practitioner correct yes okay so like you said before if someone wants to like really delve into Ayurveda and figure out maybe some you know health issues or just better understand themselves 
is there like should they just right away try to find an ayurvedic practitioner nearby them i would say i i didn't right away um i kind of went the route where i wanted to learn everything myself but if you start getting into Ayurveda and you get confused because a lot of times people be like, oh, I don't know if I'm a kasa or a pitta or a vata, and they can get wound up in that. I would say, yeah, go to an Ayurveda practitioner. They can answer your questions. They can help determine what your property is, what your vikriti is, and help you adjust your lifestyle so that you can come back into balance. Um, so if you can find someone nearby, absolutely do that. But I don't think it hurts to do some research on your own. Um, try to figure out what's going on with yourself before going to someone to kind of diagnose you first. Yeah, perfect. And I'll link some like books and Sahara Rose's like podcast. I'll link all of that in the show notes as well because you can you can you know get a pretty good understanding of it on your own. And you know, like you did, just try to and like we said before, just test things out, see how your body responds, and go from there. Okay, and unless you have anything else to add, we'll just jump into some closing rapid-fire questions. Let's do it. Ask me the question. Okay. Are you more of a movie or a book fan? Book, 100%. Okay. Now, what are, like, either your number one or your top, like, three suggestions for books? I love The Alchemist. I love um, Gone Girl. (laughs) And then, just because this is about Ayurveda, um, Ayurveda for Dummies from Sahara Rose is another one of my favorites. I read that all the time. Yeah, I've I've read Gone Girl, and that was, oh, I loved that book. Um, and then, yeah, Sahara's book is amazing. I have it. I started reading it a while ago, and then kind of got sidetracked, and then I moved it to my nightstand, and it's just fascinating. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great starting place. Yeah. Okay. If you could have lunch with anyone in the world, past, present, whatever, who would it be? Oh, gosh. That's a hard one. Um, You know, just going on until the trend, because I'm such a big fan of Sahara, I would love to have lunch with her. Like I was saying, she's my number one girl crush. So (laughs) keeping it in the world of Ayurveda, I would love, love, love to have an Ayurvedic lunch with her for sure. I love that. So if you hear this, Ayurveda, let me know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. What's your favorite food or meal that you're really loving at the moment? I am loving um, a simple Buddha bowl. So something like having um, brown rice, a little bit of mixed greens, and then I like putting plantains. I'm really into plantains right now. And then a sweet potato potato and drizzling that into Haiti. That is like my favorite meal at the moment. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for, <laughs> like, honestly, any bowl food. So I love foodables. And a favorite of mine, I've been making, like, a hemp seed dressing. And it's so good. It just adds, like, the, it's similar to tahini, but um, it was, like, well, yeah, it just has, like, the higher protein because of the hemp. And it's just different. And mm-hmm. I, I, like, custom season it. And it just adds that good, like, creaminess. And, yeah, so definitely a fan of foodables, too. <laughs> So last one, if you could yell one piece of advice from the rooftops for all to hear, what would it be? Listen to your intuition and don't give a crap about what what anyone else. That's probably my number one piece of advice for everyone because 
you need to listen to what sets your soul on fire and it's your life and you shouldn't really care about what other people think about what you're doing because it's not their life. It doesn't matter. So just do what makes you happy. Do what sets your soul on fire. I love that. Uh, that's, that's like amazing. Whenever people give their <laughs> final advice, I always want to, well, usually I use it as the opening quote, <laughs> but um, I always want to <laughs> make a banner of it and just, because it's so true, especially yours, just following your intuition, whether it's health, just your life in general. And I mean, it's not always easy, but when you do it, everything just flows better. Life, life will flow better for you. Absolutely. As soon as you make the decision to do what you love, the universe has your back. It has to. It's going to start working for you no matter what. I love that. <laughs> well, this was just <laughs> spectacular. And thank you again for recording with me. You've honestly made my dream come true of having an Ayurveda 101 podcast episode. I, I'm still giddy over this. So thank you. And it's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you, Emily. It's been so fun talking to you. And um, I can't wait to continue our conversations more in the future. Thank you so much for having me. Another thank you to Tiff for donating her precious time to come on today and share all her knowledge with all of us especially me. I have to say I truly enjoyed this one because Ayurveda is something that I've tried to understand, but it always kind of goes outside my grasp of knowledge. And I just, I've never been able to really, you know, like learn it like I wanted to, I guess. But she breaks it down so easily and makes it so simple and whatnot to understand that I left this episode, left this recording and literally just like educated my brother and dad all about Ayurveda over dinner. Um, needless to say, they were a bit like, what are you talking about? But by the time I was done explaining it, my dad and I were like <laughs> characterizing everyone in our family based on what dosha we thought they were. It was a real good time. And so I highly suggest you look at your own life, you look at the life of those around you, and just have some fun. Try to figure out what doshas people are. Don't take this too far, as Tiff and I say in the episode. I mean, this can really help guys. I mean, I know it's really made me understand like, oh my gosh, that's why that food is makes me feel inflamed. And that's why I've never liked this type of ep exercise and why it doesn't work for me. And it just helps because maybe you're in a place like I was a while ago where you're just like, why can I pop, not put on muscle? Is something wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And all these thoughts are going through your head. And maybe you look at Ayurveda or you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner and you realize you're just, you're not a pitta. I'm sorry, but you're just not going to have an easy time putting on muscle. That's okay. At least you have a bit of slack for yourself. And so Ayurveda can really help with some other health issues with imbalances, especially going into the gut. So I just highly recommend do research of your own. Always tune into your own body as Tiff and I both stressed in this episode. You can learn more about it from Sahara Rose is the queen of Ayurveda. Um, if you don't know who she is, I highly suggest you find out who she is. Look her up on Instagram. She has a website. Beyond that, there, that Sahara Rose has her own books. There are all kinds of books. You can watch videos. Tiff has a website where she has information and she's continually adding to her site. Um, soon she'll be an Ayurvedic practitioner and I'm sure you could reach out to her with questions. She's very personable, very friendly. She has offered to help me in my own pursuit of bettering my health through Ayurveda. And I am definitely taking her up on that offer. 
Remember, take everything with a grain of salt. You know, we mentioned adaptogens and different practices in here. Don't feel like you have to do those to be healthy. You don't. But if you can, why not? And if they align with your values, if you try them and they make you feel good, great, amazing days made. Um, One thing I will suggest, the tongue scraping. Guys, it costs like $6 and has changed my life. Also, after this recording, I made my dad stick his tongue out and he needs a tongue scraper. We probably all do. But something about his digestion must be off because he has a white-coated tongue, just like I did. And mine comes back if I don't scrape every morning. And, I mean, there's a lot of big names and famous people that do this. So this isn't just some little woo-woo weird stuff. Look into it. There's science behind it, as with everything in Ayurveda. I really hope you guys enjoyed this and learned some things from it. Maybe you got inspired to try something new. Let me know. You can find Tiff on Instagram at Balance with Tiff. She has a website. I'll link that below. You can find me on Instagram at thrive underscore on life or my website. And let me know. And if you like this, please, 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 please share on your story. Share with people by word of mouth if people still do that nowadays. Um, go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave a rate and review. That is how people find the show. And the more people that find the show and the more reviews I get, the more credential I have built up, I can get even more and more guests to come on. I have some really exciting ones coming up, just as these past ones have been so exciting. So stick with me. Thank you for sticking with me. And I'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye.